Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. I'm Leah Barber, and today I have a special episode with professional mountain bike racer and Olympian, Chloe Woodruff. Chloe Woodruff is from Prescott, Arizona, and owns and rides for the Stands Pivot Pro Team, presented by Maxis. She has raced the cross-country discipline in 10 world championship teams as a junior, under-23 athlete, and an elite racer. She was also one of just two women mountain bike racers who represented the United States in the 2016 Rio Olympics. I met up with Chloe in Sedona at Rome Bike Fest, a women's mountain bike festival, to talk about racing, the Olympics, and learn her realistic approach to goal setting. Chloe, how did you get started mountain biking? Well, that was many, many years ago at this point. (laughs) But you look so young. It couldn't have been that long. Thank you. Um... (laughs) back uh gosh in like 1999 maybe okay so I I um I was first introduced to mountain biking um in middle school my um seventh grade teacher's husband um his name is Leonard Zinn he works for Velo News and he organized a class trip to Moab Utah um which and so actually one of my first mountain biking experiences was in Moab, which is a pretty that's awesome. That sounds like an thing. awesome field trip. Yeah, and um, and as a class assignment afterwards, I had to write a personal narrative about the experience, and I still wow. have that. So wow, that's like the first ever blog. Yeah, I think of, it ended like, with like you know mountain biking is a sport I want to get better at. So <laughs> it's like the story of my life. But um, introduced to mountain biking in middle school. Um, I was a very shy kid like I think socially I had a hard time kind of integrating in school and and mountain biking just was like this activity that kind of let me it was this is like vehicle that let me interact with other kids and um I got you know I started to build confidence on the bike and um I used to ride my bike to school too so I was relatively fit and I enjoyed like trying to keep up with the boys and kind of competing with my sister so yeah it was just uh it went from there I had A lot of adults and people just kind of nurtured that interest. Like one thing you learn in the sport is like how passionate people are about sharing, you know, the experience of mountain biking. And I certainly um, was a beneficiary of that. Like I had a lot of just people, you know, helping me find my first bike and, you know, like connecting me with other young girls to ride. And so, and it went from there. I've been mountain biking ever since. Cool. That's awesome because, I mean, you know, it's like just now we're starting to see all these kind of ways to get kids and the youth involved, like with Nika and Little Bellas yeah. and stuff like that. But it's awesome that you, you know, kind of found that early on, found the people that were real fanatics about mountain biking. Yeah. I mean, I did grow up in Boulder, Colorado. So there are a lot of, you know, fanatics about bikes in that town. Um but yeah, now the amazing thing is like, um, you know, we didn't have Nike back then. Um, so the experiences and opportunities for kind of entering the sport now are 
I mean, there's so many more of them. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, even without Nika, you still raced in high school, right? I did. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. I did my first race, I think, as a sophomore in high school. Um, I went to, I started traveling like around the country really just a couple years later. And, um, yeah, it took off from there. Like I, I raced my f- first world championships in 2004 as a junior. Oh, um, wow. And then I kept racing through college and, um, yeah, it's been 14 years. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't think I, I know you said earlier, I couldn't even count how many world championship titles have you Gone for. Oh, title zero. But yeah, no, no. But it's no, it's fine. Uh, you know, I like it's it's all like the experience and the process. And um, I've raced, I've competed in ten world champ for. I've been named to ten world championship teams, which is pretty cool. So um, I've raced as both a junior, under twenty three, and elite racer at worlds. Um, I think I'm one of the only women to have kind of to have raced worlds through all those different age brackets. And was it all cross country? Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. Yep. Awesome. And recently, well, 2016, that's that's still pretty recent. You were you went to the Olympics for cross country mountain biking, yeah. right? Like yeah. that's that's pretty awesome. Was that a childhood dream of yours or did you think that did you ever during your early career racing think okay I'm gonna go out for the Olympics one day well um my mom actually has kind of a funny story about this because I as a child I like just was a dabbler like I wasn't really into any specific sport but I dabbled in like gymnastics you know and I remember watching I was always excited to watch the gymnastics at the Olympics and I remember for a while I was telling my mom I want to go to the Olympics in gymnastics and then, of course, for the Olympics, they showed a program about, like, training regimen and, and like, you know, these young, young girls had to leave home and, like, train full time. And, and I remember telling my, like, my mom says that I, I, I told her, like, uh, never mind. I don't think I want to do that. That sounds really hard. <laughs> yeah. Where's the so, fun in, in Yeah. That? You know, I, I actually, um, you know, I... It was always really hard. I never really saw myself um, going to the Olympics. I knew there was potentially a pathway, but I am pretty realistic in the way I go about thinking about myself and in, in the sport. And like, I think that dream was like kind of slowly built as I like grew close as I took one step closer. I didn't enter the sport of mountain biking like with this dream to go to the Olympics. Um, you know, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like there's mountain biking in the Olympics, but I, that was not a motivating, um, factor for a really long time. And it wasn't until I was named to the 2012 Olympic long team, which is kind of the equivalent of going to the Olympic trials and other sports. Um, that, you know, I started to think about it and it was like, oh, wow, like maybe this could be a possibility. Like what might it take? And, um, you know, and my husband and I, like we, you know, after that 2012 experience, we did, you know, we started to like think about it and, and plan. Awesome. Well, I mean, yeah, four years of planning and the training, that's still, um, you know, that's still a lot of dedication to, to get to the Olympics because you probably didn't even know in 2012, like whether or not 
you were going to be in it. Like there was still so many other, I'm sure, little goals along the way, big goals along the way, like um, that you had to really commit to for that long amount of time. Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, I, I, it seemed like such a a long shot too. Um, I mean, it really wasn't until 2016 and uh, until really the first World Cup qualifier we had that I truly started to believe that hey maybe maybe I could I could do it um you know the goals that we had were very kind of process driven like I wanted to be one of the top ranked U.S. riders um which meant I wanted to have a little bit of consistency on the World Cup calendar um I really wanted to practice kind of like peaking for a one day event because I'm like, well, if you go to the Olympics, you have to be able to be show up on one day in like the best condition of your life. Wow. And that's something you have to like oh practice my gosh, for. That's a so, lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a hard thing. Um, but that's like kind of what we do through training is you identify what races are important and you try to, you know, be your best for that day. And so I like we tried to do that 2015 and then again 2016 at the first World Cup. That was like a crazy experience because um, I actually showed up in Australia with flew down there with two bikes and neither of them showed up. So I showed up. uh, We left on Sunday, arrived Monday. The first World Cup was Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember. And my bikes didn't show up. Not a big deal. Sometimes they come on the next flight. Um, next day, still calling, and they're like, well, sometimes things get, like, lost at LAX Customs, like, like, no word of my bikes. Day two goes by, like, the first Olympic qualification race, and, like, my bikes are not there. Um, our national team coach was driving, like, 30, 40 minutes to the airport every day to, like, talk to the baggage guys, knew them by name. Um, day three went by, like, no bikes. Meanwhile, Kate Courtney, you guys probably have heard her name by now, current mountain bike world champion. She had actually loaned me her bike, so I was like, I got out for a spin. I wasn't riding the course, but I was out for a spin and, like, got some efforts in. And during this time, I went through this whole, like, well, you know, I guess, like, I guess this race is over with, like, you know. Um, So I kind of went through this process of, like, just grief and acceptance. And uh, day before the race, my bikes show up. We got them built up. Um, and I was able to get in my pre-ride. I also felt like I was coming down with a cold. Um, kind of was really ambivalent about the whole thing at that point and ended up having the race of my life the next day. So, yeah, like I had my best World Cup result. Um, and it's funny because, like, it probably wouldn't have happened had I not been in that, like, I don't even care headspace anymore. So it was weird how these, like, this crazy disruption turned out to be an incredible gift. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and it wasn't like, I mean, I, I rode most of the day in the top 10. I nursed the flat for like the last lap of the race and I ended up finishing 12th. Um, but I was a top American, um, that day. And in the end, you know, there are still two months of qualification left and I kind of like limped through the rest of it, but I was the only rider um, like Leah Davison, one rider had her spot secured, but for that second place, I was the only one of the three of us that were in contention who really had like a career ride in one of the qualification races. So that's what earned me a spot on the Olympic team. So I did exceed my goals. Like I made it to the Olympics. 
So would you think about doing it again, going for 2020? Is that yeah something you're thinking about? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the same kind of strain, like in 2012, or sorry, 2016, the U.S. team could send a maximum of two racers. And in 2020, the U.S. team could potentially send three. Um, and it has everything to do with how competitive the U.S. women are on the World Cup series. And that in and of itself is an incredibly motivating thing. Like, you know, we could potentially send three women to race at the Olympics and mountain biking. Um, just with the resurgence of, like, NICA, there's just, like, a lot of energy in the sport. And um, and so that's an incredibly motivating thing. Like, um, if we could send three women, that just would... That's that's definitely something I'm working towards. Awesome. Um, and so I guess just like 2016, you probably have some big races, big events kind of coming up that you need to do or need to have certain goals for before you get to the Olympics. So what, what are those? What do you have? Or what do you have in the near future that you're trying to yeah, focus on? Um, I, I really focus on our World Cup calendar. So we have six races each year and most of them are in Europe. And it's really, you know, it's the the best racer, women racers in the world. Um, and the courses are really pretty technical. We race for like an hour to an hour and a half um, in, in length. And those, like I've been working at kind of just getting a little bit better each year on that World Cup circuit. And um, I, last year, I definitely had a little bit of a breakthrough. I um, I had consistency. I raced in the top 15 at every one except awesome. a single one. Yeah. Yay. So that was a um, pretty big jump for me. And and I'm looking at just continuing to make progress on that level. Cool. And so you had mentioned, um, you know, the race, the courses are getting way more technical. And, um, you know, if you've seen any of the deep rocks and logs all over the course not like what cross country was in the 90s yeah, when you yeah, started so uh-huh. like, what have you changed like in your own yeah uh a lot more time on my mountain bike um, and I'm really fortunate I race for pivot so I really feel like I'm on the absolute best piece of equipment I can be I race with a fox transfer dropper post um, and I typically race with on the Mach 4 um, carbon by pivot, which is just such a versatile cross country race bike. So, you know, I think it's just been a lot of skill specific training. Um, I'm very fortunate. I live near in Prescott, Arizona, where I have a ton of trail options near where I live. Um, I'm an hour from Sedona where we are now. So it's got a lot of technical practice out here. So it's just been a lot more time, um, on my mountain bike and, and also, you know, just building confidence, like learning about my equipment. Like I, I, it's, I've changed a lot, like in the last three to four years, like I used to kind of be really not able to hang on a lot of the technical stuff. Like I'd take a lot of beelines. Um, I first put a dropper post on my bike in 2013, just to start building confidence. And, and now it's really fun because I can, you know, I, I'm pretty confident on a lot of the technical stuff. I still have to work how... Like, I'm still a fairly timid racer at times. That surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I have a bit of a, you know, I'm not 
always a very bold person, but like I, I love the, the techie stuff, so it's fun to work on. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, who would have thought you'd be saying that <laughs> at the beginning? So, well, tell me a little bit more kind of about the training. I'm so curious because riding the bike is, it's it's fun, but it's like hard work too. Surely you do other stuff. Like, do you do, um, do you ride on a road bike or do you cross train at all? Yeah, um, I would, you know, I would say my time actually is spent about, you know, maybe 60% on the road and 40% on the mountain bike. I call my road bike my work bike. It's actually a pivot vault, so it's technically a gravel bike. Um, oh, because I also was going to say, I didn't even you know gotta be comfortable, like road bikes. Yeah, like, I mean, it's 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 my work bike. Like, we've got great, you know, dirt roads to go ride on. Um but you can be a lot more efficient with just getting aerobic work in, um, you know, with kind of interval workouts. And and then the time on my mountain bike is time for riding, like where you can just like, you know, be a little bit more efficient. And um, I don't do as much specific workouts on my mountain bike, but I will, you know, maybe go out with like certain skills in mind to work on or, you know, just like find the like just have fun just have fun I do have fun mountain biking yeah but it's about 60 yeah 60 40 the division of time um and then I also have been incorporating more time in the gym in kind of during the non-racing season in the winter so this last season um, I was in the gym like three days a week from you know October through February and I think that's just helped me become a more resilient um, athlete. Yeah, the gym is tough, right? I mean, like, especially when you're, like, in a sport like cycling where you're, like, moving forward and you're going somewhere. Yeah. And then you have to, like, go in the gym and, like, look at yourself and lift weight <laughs> or, like, just yeah. kind of be a little static. Is that fun for you? <laughs> is that fun for you? Or what kind of fun workouts do you like to do in the gym? You know, we're always looking for ways to make it more fun because you're like, uh-oh, got to work on the core. Like, yeah, yeah, but no one wants to do <laughs> sit-ups and, like, boring stuff like that. So, yeah, give me give me your funnest workout, your funnest <sighs> gym. I mean, if there is such a thing, which, yeah. I mean, maybe burpees for, like, the first yeah, three. but. I, I haven't done, um, yeah, I'm just trying to specific. I actually, I like the gym because I feel very kind of challenged and like I can make, like I can make fairly quick progress once I build that consistency and that's kind of a positive feedback and it just is motivating. Um, you know, I like doing a lot of stuff where you have to kind of stabilize yourself. So I've been doing, um, focus a lot on posterior chain activation. So like, you know, getting your glutes and hamstrings to fire and a lot of those muscles that are just kind of neglected when you, oh, yeah. when you ride so much. So yeah, it's deadlifts and squats and a lot of hamstring curls, like on a gym ball, planks on a gym ball. Yeah. And for me, actually fun is like, it sounds crazy, but I like working on pull-ups. And part of the reason is my sister, my twin sister's a rock climber. So she's like, yeah, she's very, very like strong. So she used to always make fun of me because I couldn't do a pull-up. But now, like, so now I work on pull-ups and, like, that's kind of a, That's know. great. That's cool to hear. Yeah, the gym work is, like, stuff that, like, oh, no one wants to do, but, like, it makes a big difference. That's awesome that, yeah. like, I hear that that's happening for you. 
just, I guess, real quick, I want to go back to your bikes again. You said you rode a Mach 4, um, like, in the races. But do you, is that the same bike that you ride out around the trails in Prescott and... Yeah, actually, I, I mean, the Mach 4 is such a versatile little bike. I I train on it a lot um, at home in Prescott, um, but I also have a Mach 5.5, more of a trail bike, and and that is a really just, yeah, it's, I mean, that's an incredibly fun bike to ride, so <laughs> you can't really go wrong. Um, I ride a little bit higher volume tires for training, so you can really change, like, if you put a dropper post and, like, some 2.4 maxis tires on like you can have a lot of fun on the mach 4 like it's a great bike and now we'll take a short break and when we return we'll hear more from chloe hi guys and gals i wanted to let you know about some fun events coming up in 2019 from rome events the ladies at rome put on an incredible women's mountain bike festival two times a year called the rome bike fest all of their events all 12 or more, including Rome retreats, are totally rad and in an awesome mountain bike locations like Sedona, Arizona, Oak Ridge, Oregon, and Whitefish, Montana. But what's super exciting is in 2019, there will be co-ed Rome retreats. That's right, ladies. You can bring your gentleman friend along to the party as long as he behaves. So check out the calendar at thisisrome.com and start planning your 2019 adventures now. So around Prescott, what kind of what trails do you like to ride out there? What are your favorite trails? Or maybe they're here in Sedona. Yeah, Prescott, I love Wolverton Trail, which is kind of iconic for the area. Um, we have a new area called Spence Basin. Oh, a new area. Yeah, I'm, well, relatively new. A um, ton of new trails built in there. Just a lot of um, just really fun single track with some rock features and I mean, we just, we have so much trail, it's it's not really fair. <laughs> <laughs> and you have, like, this nice miles of winter where you can, like, exactly. we ride, can, like, where the rest the of the secret. country it's like, We snow. can ride year-round. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great. Well, so, you, I guess, you know, you said you get to have fun, but, like, most of it is training. How do you balance, kind of? all that training how much training are you doing during the week and like when do you have time to do other stuff like (laughs) well I mean it I mean being a full-time racer and at elite level it's really is a full-time job and I on top of racing I own and manage the stands pivot pro team presented by Maxis so um, there's four of us on the team and that still is really the bulk of like my my job and the work that I have to do um and that has actually provided some balance because it really means that the time on my bike is really yeah it's still like the best part of my day is like getting out and riding so I still have work beyond just my own kind of personal racing and and training goals but yeah I mean balance is definitely a challenge at this level and I kind of struggle with that you know through different periods of the year and you know, it's important to recognize when you need to take a break, when you need to just allow yourself an opportunity to do something different. Um, last few years, I try to get out and hike in the Grand Canyon, do a backpacking trip in the fall. And like, I really enjoy hiking. Um, I am known to sign up for like a 5k, like in the, in the fall. I'm a really, really bad runner, but I, but I just, it's fun to mix it up and do something different, like be challenged by something new. And so, yeah. 
That's awesome. I think that's that's great. So like, kind of maybe almost humble yourself. Like, oh, I'm so awesome. I'm, and I'm pretending to be you because I'm not <laughs> saying this. Like, I'm so awesome at mountain biking. And then you go and you're like, oh, running or yoga or whatever it is. Like, oh, that's kind of hard. And so I have to like have this other challenge, which is like, I imagine kind of a mental challenge right like I'm sure you do mental training as part of your somehow maybe like subliminally you're mentally training well I mean there yeah I think that's kind of you know it's starting to be really important and I I haven't you know I haven't really dived into that too much but I mean absolutely kind of your your state of mind and like you know, visualization. And, um, I mean, that is such a key part of performance. Um, Mm -hmm. well, I know like a lot of our listeners and readers, they're not like, I don't know that they have their goals set on like making the Olympics or anything, but like, I know we all have to, you know, set goals, even if it's just like new year's resolutions or whatever, or we just want to be able to make it over some tricky section on the, the trail or like maybe just 30 seconds faster on that Strava segment or something. Yeah. But so, like, do you have maybe some tips for goal setting? You know, not even necessarily for for mountain biking that maybe others could. Yeah, I mean, I like to think about it in a pretty simple terms. Like, I ask myself three questions. Like, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? That's a really important one, the why. Oh, yes. Why am I doing it? Why? <laughs> Um, and then also how am I going to do it? Um, and that how is where you can like kind of build the steps it might take. It doesn't have to be complicated and, um, but just like, I think it's important to create some like attainable, measurable little things you can do, you know, and I know some telling other people or getting others on board can help keep you accountable as well. Um, In this next clip, Chloe shares her real-world example of how she set goals for the 2018 racing year. First, she identifies a broad outcome-based goal and then defines the process goals or the how part that help her along the way. I had to be more disciplined with my approach to goal setting. I was named to the U.S. national team. And like, I think it was December, they sent me this form and they're like, we need to know what all your goals are. Oh, One of the outcome-based goals I set for myself is I wanted to finish top um, 15th overall in the World Cup. Um, And and again, I I had had top 15 finishes before, so that felt like an achievable thing for me, but I had lacked consistency. Um, And the the process-based goals underneath that, to get there that I set, there were three of them. Um, And... The first one had to do with just, this is kind of a technical thing, but it had to do with my chronic training load. What I wanted was this like number that represented what I was doing in the prior six weeks. It's an average of your training load each day. Seems kind of like a technical thing, but pretty much what it says is that you've been consistent with your training, which means you've been healthy enough to to just ride your bike, um, and you've been planning ahead and making sure you're organizing your training around your travel and everything. Um, Because in the previous years, I just struggled with consistency. So I wanted to have, and I set a concrete number that was measurable, something I could aim for. Um, And I wanted to reach that CTL number. Um, Second thing was sleep. 
measuring my sleep and recovery. Um, I've also struggled with traveling, with just getting the sleep in I need with recovery. So I didn't really have a goal of I want to sleep X amount each night. All I wanted to do was to track my sleep in some way. I just wanted to keep myself accountable to it. Like, hey, I slept eight hours this night. I slept four hours this night. Whatever it was, I just wanted to track it. And the third thing was I wanted to dial in like my pre-ride. So when you guys like see the Red Bull coverage, like the courses are pretty technical. And what I wanted to do was to be as efficient as possible with my time on the course, like prior to race day. So, and that has a lot to do with just like dialing in your equipment. So like making sure that, you know, I, I travel with both my mock, my Pivot Mach 4 and my Pivot Less to the World Cups. So I wanted to have a plan, like how am I deciding which bike to race on any given day? Um, you know, I make sure to check in with Fox suspension at each race, like before I head out, dial in my suspension numbers, like take a note of that. I just wanted to be as efficient as possible with my pre-riding. Um, and it's, those were like the three things that I had set for myself. Um, Cause you know, I guess we could really set like, there's really 50 different things I could work on, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I could maybe do three. Um, and I did. In the end, I, like, met that perf that outcome-based goal. I finished 13th in the World Cup um, series, which was really cool. And, um, you know, I kept track of my sleep. I think it helped a little bit with my sleep quality, just keeping accountable. But, yeah, so anyway, that was my process this year. And it probably changed a little bit next year. But I have had injuries. You know, and I, like, I think each injury has almost been an opportunity to learn, to kind of, like, hit the reset button, start rebuilding, to try to come back stronger, a little bit more resilient. You know, I think that, like, that's how we build grittiness. It's, like, kind of those obstacles along the way and just knowing that, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like, there's going to be another bike race if I do these things and these steps to get back there. There's still possibilities and, and doors and... And this year in particular, I, I actually, I've had a great season. I, I have suffered two, two mild concussions um, and relatively close to each other. And, and that was a, a different type of injury that um, I've had to kind of, kind of learn how to recover from. Was that I, from mountain biking? Did yeah. Did you crash? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. So, but you know, it, it, grand scheme of things, like crashing is a part of the sport, um, but you know, every sport has certain risks um, of injury, and I think we learn a lot about ourselves and, you know, about our bodies when we um, when we have to endure and come back. Well, cool. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk about your career, Chloe, and um, kind of give us some insight into training, what it's like to have to set goals and how long it takes to get to the <laughs> Olympics or big goals like that. So, um, Thank you, Leah. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for your time and we'll be looking out for you in 2019 in the World Cup Series. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Single Checks podcast. To keep up with Chloe, follow her on Instagram at Chloe Woodruff and her mountain bike team at Stan's Pivot. As always, thank you for listening. And if you're new to the podcast, we have 200 more amazing episodes and interviews for you to binge on. And you can also sign up for our email list at singletracks.com and we'll send you the latest from the podcast and weekly mountain bike news. Until next time, peace. Thank you.